clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Simultaneous Catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I'm Joshua Thomas Lappin. This is Simultaneous Catch Open Net Edition. We're going to talk all about the World Cup. In fact, U.S. is what is it called at the beginning of the game? Like you know, there's just tip off, and then there's the and then there's like the kickoff in football. Yeah, it's called the the high toe. Nice. <laughs> don't act like you know when you were asking me. What is it? Why don't I know what it's called? Is it just like? This it's is the, the kickoff. High toe. It's the kickoff. No, that's stupid. That's the NFL. Uh, um, the um, men's U.S. national team has high toe at uh, 2 p.m. So we're going to be doing the show while U.S. Could, is playing. Yeah, we could let everyone know how the high toe goes. I believe that we will win. Uh, but you, do you, how, what do you? What's your take on that uh, chant? You ever heard that? No. That's America's chant. That's pretty dumb. Yeah, it's. I don't. I legitimately don't know how it started, but the last world uh, chant is "I believe we will win." Yeah, it's "I believe that we will win." I believe that we will win. That's it. I feel like that's kind of self-deprecating. Yeah, I don't know. I. I think it's become kind of charming to me that it's so dumb. It's like it kind of it's emblematic of our country where we're just kind of idiots. And it's like, like do we we're not charming. really have the faith that we'll win? Like, I mean, the men's team has not been that great. And we're a little bit of an underdog. Actually, I saw the NFL did um, uh, a World Cup participant comparison thing. I did see that. But I so they lined up the U.S. with the Jets. And I thought that was a great comparison. It's that uh, we have a lot of young talent and we have ability. But if we were going to do something, it would be surprising. So, but we tied our first game. We shouldn't have. I mean, it really, we should have won. And uh, now we play England today in about 19 minutes. So. Yeah, I'm a Wrexham fan. So, is that the uh, Ryan Reynolds yeah. team? Yeah, I'm gonna watch that uh, series at some point. It's a really but. good documentary. Regardless, welcome to Simultaneous Catch, folks. He's Josh. I'm Adam. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our friends and family out there who are listening uh it was a really nice thanksgiving i like i was telling you it was my first thanksgiving without my family so i was very nervous about it because obviously you know me i have a huge family and so holidays are very important to me and it was just really nice it was a really nice day and i really i obviously i'm a little baby so i got emotional at the end of the day just sitting with you and jenna it was really <laughs> nice and, and uh, you're a great time. kid yeah so. so we apologize for not getting you before the thanksgiving games we had a 
We had a weird week at work. Yeah, it was a very odd. We had so much that we had to do, but then like, I don't know. It's fine. It was a good week. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. It's the fourth time I said welcome, but let's get right into some rant review call because neither of us got our friend's fortune right. I got mine laughably wrong. I don't know. Laughably, I said it was going to be one of the three highest scoring games. I mean, it and... wasn't like six to nine. <laughs> That's true. It could have been worse. Um, but regardless, got a rant rave recall, man. A rant rave or recall. I am going to actually, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit because going back to Pal's picks last week, I said that I thought the Bears would win because I didn't think Atlanta would do a good job of shutting Fields down. Now, it obviously is disappointing that Fields is dealing with an injury, of which I still don't really even fully know. Like, people have been like, it's this, and then other people are like, it's not this, and then Fields is like, it's this. And I just, I mean, I guess we should trust Justin Fields probably more than anybody. Probably. He, I mean, he hasn't ruled out to, or anything yet, so I don't know. I guess it's a little bit of a recall and a little bit of a rave because I thought, in my opinion, I watched a pretty decent chunk of that game because I thought it was just one of the more exciting games on during that time I thought the Atlanta defense had one of their best showings of the entire year after which I said I didn't think that they would have the pieces to slow that offense down with how hot they've been recently I thought Atlanta came out with a great defensive game plan they pressured Justin Fields uh, they made him uncomfortable they didn't let him do the the crazy 60 yard runs that he had been doing the past month or so and I just really liked what I saw out of out of their pass rushers. I shot, thought their linebackers did really well. And obviously, um, not a whole lot was given up through the air, which isn't necessarily what you expect from the Bears all the time. But their their secondary did a pretty good job as well. Yeah, I really like this. We we've, I feel like I say this every week, but I really like this Bears team. I, I know that they're not going anywhere this year, and I know that it might be another year or two. But they, I, I don't know how many times I can say they just got so many pieces and they're young and they have ability and I, I love Justin Fields. I've been on, we were, we talked about Justin Fields in that draft, but we both loved Justin Fields, right? I made the argument that I thought Fields might be better than Lawrence in that draft, right? And everybody was like, whoa, but I, I loved it and he's looking great. Yeah. I mean, he's also what I was what talking you? about was the Falcons defense. No, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. I was, t- I was taking it in a different direction. Listen, I'm still waiting on somebody to get me that Atlanta Falcons black hoodie because that's my other team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I the Falcons play the Commanders this week. I'm very interested to see that matchup. I think that is one of the harder games to predict this week. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. I'm sure it'll pop up in Pal's picks, though. <laughs> it will. <laughs> um but uh, I saw an interesting, who was it, um, stat about, oh, the obviously the Zach Wilson benching, which we can talk about if we want to in a second here, but because um, that's going to be my rant. I figured you were going to rant about that. So I'm going to rant about Zach Wilson in a second here, but somebody lined up the stats of Wilson versus Heineke, and they're very, very similar, and it's like, Wins are not a quarterback stat. Both these teams have been winning, but neither quarterback is actually playing that well. And everybody's freaking out about, like, you got to stay with Heineke. I know he has, like, he there's, like, something about Heineke, obviously. But, like, numbers-wise, he's not really been that much better than Zach Wilson. And everybody's like, oh, you got to stick with Heineke. And I'm like, you feel like you should probably put Wentz back in. Um, but I'm going to rant about Zach Wilson. Sure. And I want to, like... It's derogatory. It's negative. I think he's been very childish and immature, right? I, I, I don't know if 
you guys listening have seen this, but after the game last week against the Patriots, uh, they're uh, they ended up being ten three. It was ten three at the end, yeah. right? Um, after that loss, a reporter asked Zach Wilson, "Do you think you let your defense down? They held the other team to three points, and you can only score three. Do you think you let your defense down?" And he said, "No." And that was it. Then obviously he came out. He's benched. Now I want to do this to the guys of. It's so frustrating to see somebody in a privileged position not take responsibility because he sucked, right? He was bad, okay? And I don't think this is the end of Zach Wilson's career, right? He's going to start again at some point, right? It's not completely over. But, like, I just wish that – I wish more and more, especially quarterbacks, would take these opportunities to grow, right? To look at it and look at yourself and say, okay, I am part of the problem, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Thank you, Taylor Swift. And uh, be better for it, right? Like, and we had the discussion about Josh Allen because he, after the other uh, couple weeks ago, um, or was it last week? I don't know if it was the Jets game or the. I think it was the Jets. I think it was the Jets game. Uh, Allen was like tough to win when your quarterback plays like poo, you know. And that's exactly what he said. Um, but and we had a discussion on whether that's helpful or not either. But I still think that's it's preferable to take responsibility than it is to just completely shake it, right? Yeah, I I one hundred percent agree. So again, I I don't I don't want to pile on to Zach Wilson because I again I still he's still incredibly talented. He's got arm strength. He's got arm talent, right? He still makes throws that you're like, oh wow, can't believe he made that throw. But I just think that especially at the quarterback position, you've got to be better than that. You just, you ha- and I, I feel, it feels weird to be sitting in my apartment here in West Virginia being like, you got to be better, Zach Wilson. But you do. Like, you're in this position. You don't win games when you're a guy who's supposed to be the leader of the team or a leader of the team uh, without taking responsibility for the role that you play in the games that you lose. Yeah. And I hope that he learns that lesson. Um, and I'm fascinated to see what, injecting Mike White, Mike White into this offense does. He had one great game last year and a couple okay ones, right? And then he actually ended up having some bad moments. Uh, so we'll see what happens. This Jets team is very good. Their front seven is scary. And they have... Their front four specifically is very scary. And then they have these two incredible corners led by Sauce Gardner. Um, and they have weapons on the offense. And no, Brees Hall's not there. But James Robinson and Michael Carter are a great duo. Yeah. And Elijah Moore is a talented wide receiver. Uh, like, I, they they have weapons and pieces on this team. And this team uh, can make the playoffs. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won a playoff game. They just need a quarterback to be a leader. And right now it's not Zach Wilson. So it's a rant, but it's a it's a calm rant because I don't want to I don't want to pile on. <laughs> So I, I am interested in talking about this for a moment. Let's pretend that Mike White comes in and, and stays the ship, right? Like, he doesn't necessarily have the... And really, I mean, the Bengals win last year was very impressive, but let's not act like he didn't also have two turnovers. That's what I'm saying. Is just the Bengals game was very impressive, but other than that, he was just like an okay quarterback. But he stays the ship here, and he gets the team on, on a little bit of a run. And let's say... So right now they're technically out of the playoffs. So let's say they get in and they win one playoff game. At that point, can you really be like, we're going to go back to Zach Wilson? I don't. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> and even I, and even I don't even know if that means question, that Mike White so. is the guy. But sure, like, if you've had you so much success with the quarterback that's not Zach Wilson, can you really be like, okay, Zach, we're ready for you again? 
I mean, it just depends on what they see in terms of growth. I don't think the Jets organization wanted to bet Zach Wilson. I think Robert Sala looked at the situation and talked to his GM and his owner and was like, guys, I like I know you don't want us to do this because this is supposed to be our franchise guy and we want to see him play through these things, right? He's like, but I'm going to lose my locker room if I don't bench this kid right now. I think that that's what happened because yeah, I mean, legitimately, I and there are people fair. like Peter Schrager, Good Morning Football, um, he was talking on Bill Simmons' podcast this week, I think. Yeah, this week, because they talked about the benching and had to be this week. Um, he said that the people in the organization talked about how none of the players came out in support of Zach mm-hmm. after everything. Nobody yeah. said anything. In fact, some of them passive-aggressively said things on Twitter, yeah. right? You you, you were going to lose the locker room for a 6-4 and four team now, I believe, after the loss last week. Yeah. That, like, can still make the playoffs. And, like, they're, they've got the Bears this week. Fascinating matchup with Mike White starting. Um, then they have to go to Minnesota and to Buffalo and back-to-back weeks. But then they have the Lions, the Jags, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins to finish the season. So, I mean, like... Six and four, you beat the Bears and maybe the Lions and the Jags, and then you split between the Seahawks and the Dolphins. You're looking at possibly a 10 win season, right? And possibly winning, like going to the playoffs, right? That's in play. The thing so, is, the Jets don't need a world beater right now. No, and again, they so, just need that so, steady the ship. And exactly. That's, that's why I loved you, that you use that terminology. As you said, Mike White steadies the ship. And I think that's probably what will happen. And I think that's probably why, no matter what happens this season, short of like Mike White turns into somebody was calling him the White Lotus after the Bengals game. Um, like, unless he turns into that guy and goes nuts and they like go on this crazy deep playoff run, I don't think it really matters. Like, they'll either eventually like give Zach another chance or they'll find another quarterback. I don't. Like, I think that Mike White will probably steady the ship. I think they'll either sneak into that last playoff spot or miss it by, like, one game. Um, and I think that's more likely than not what's going to happen. Um, I don't envision Mike White letting the world up. That being said, I am playing him in some fantasy leagues because we're in some <laughs> two super flex leagues where I have to play a quarterback. And in one of those dynasties, I had Zach Wilson. I was like, I, I need a quarterback to play. So I am playing the the White Lotus, Mike White. There you go. There you go. I like that. Yeah, I mean, you just you're not gonna win games when you pump more than you have first downs. That's just. I know I'm. We make the jokes that like that's my kind of game, and I do love low scoring defensive battles. That was an offensive ineptitude at yes. times. One. Yes, it was. Uh, the Jets' defense was kind of a masterclass. I think. I think that was. Uh, wow, this defense is great, and I know the Pats' defense is good, but the Jets' offense was just bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was not my kind of game. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Although I feel like oftentimes you think those ones are, and that more often than not, I'll be like that was more ineptitude than great defense. Sure, and I, I will say, and we've talked about this many times, but my thing is, I enjoy when in the high scoring games, which I like just as much as the next person. Okay, I love that Monday night game we watched, right? The char- the Chiefs <laughs> and the and the Rams. Um, when you have games like that, it's like, okay, well, some they're going to keep scoring, and this is fun, and I'm enjoying this, but I know people are going to score. In the games where nobody is, it's like, oh, my God, it's just going to take one play, and it's going to be so exciting when it happens. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to have that debate right now. Um, okay. Uh, let's do – let's talk about last week, right? So it's weird because Thanksgiving just happened, but we'll get to Thanksgiving Day in, in a – in a minute here, let's talk about week 
we're going into week 12, right? So week 11? Week 11. Yeah, let's talk about week 11 football. Uh, games that stood out to you, storylines that stood out to you, anything that pops up right away? Yeah, so before, obviously, I can go we, the slate, but. obviously we just talked about one of the bigger ones where right. the Patriots won on the last-minute punt return. That was not even last minute. It was last seconds. Um, so that was a big one for a lot of different reasons and obviously created those storylines that we just highlighted. The the Raiders Bronco game was uh, another one that that was just a weird game. It was a weird game that you saw two teams that I think are pretty poorly managed, in my opinion. And I thought I thought Denver had it locked up at one point. I was like, they're fine. They got it. Like did I was like I was like Vegas can't do anything. They can't move the ball. They're not. You know what I mean? It's over. Like good job. And then all of a sudden. I just so with with that being said, I guess this is I don't I don't want to call it a mini cold read or anything, but I because I feel you, I understand what you're saying. I felt that way about a handful of Broncos games this year, and they always lose it. So what does that? And mean? And it's also weird because again, the Raiders only scored 22 points, but Derek Carr had 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. I mean, Josh Jacobs ran for 100 yards. Devontae Adams was insane in that game too. I think it was like 140, two touchdowns. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm so confused by the Broncos because their defense is so good, right? Um, and this game went to overtime, yes? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why the the stat upholds that if the Broncos would have scored 18 points every game this year in regulation, they'd be 9-1 and one right now. So again, it's just insane to me that you trade all this stuff for Russell Wilson and he can't score 18 points a game. I don't understand it. Like, part of me wants to say attack it, but didn't he also cede play calling duties? He did. And that didn't really seem to change it that much. Like, so the thing is, and so in my opinion, which is somebody sitting on a couch talking about football right now, it seems to be working early on in games, and then they fall on their face. Like, the first two drives of the last two Broncos games, I'm like, this is strong. Like, you're seeing it. And then they can't – I don't get, like – Adjustments aren't happening. I, I'm. I, it's a team that baffles me. Honestly. I think. I think one of two things is going to happen, and I actually, I, I firmly believe it's one or the other. I don't think there's going to be an in between. Either next year something's going to click because they're not going to fire Hackett after one year. They're not going to get rid of Russ. Right? They're tied to this. This is happening next year too. Right? Either next year something clicks and this Broncos team is going to be awesome next year because the defense is still great. They've got a ton of long, young young talent on that side of the football. Um, wide receivers come back healthy, all that jazz next year. Something clicks, the offense gets going, and then the Broncos rock next year. Either that's going to happen next year okay, or this is truly the end of Russell Wilson and Nat Hackett can't coach, right? Like, I don't think there's an in-between here. I think either we legitimately are seeing – a coach and a quarterback who can't do it and just can't, right? And that Wilson's done and that Hackett's going to lose his job eventually. Like, I think we're either seeing that or we are just seeing there's a lot of new moving parts and it's very hard to put those things together on the fly in professional sports. It just is, especially when it comes to football, especially when it comes to the starting quarterback position. So, I don't know which one of those things is going to happen. I like we like Russell Wilson. This is guys, we've been we've been poo-pooing Russell Wilson on this show, but this is a pro Russell Wilson podcast, right? <laughs> like we like Russell Wilson, right? Um, how many times did you say "In Russ, I trust" last year? The last four years of yeah. our show, right? Like we like the, this player, um, but so I would love to see them turn it around next year, but I'm not convinced. And you're right, you said you're like kind of cold breed. I don't know what it is. 
it just really feels like there's some kind of miscommunication, right? There's a misconnect. They're just not they're, they're, either they're not speaking the same language or like they're they're not listening to each other. I don't know what it is. It just feels like a lack of like it just feels like a miscommunication on some part. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, like they have so much talent. I think in multiple different areas, even with their injuries, right? Even with uh, Javante Williams being out, which is tough, and and I think Jerry Judy is now out for a little bit too, isn't I he? I think he um, he's practicing but again. Regardless, like they they have injuries and they still have weapons, right? I just it's so frustrating. Kendall Hinton, though, he got that. Lock Listen, off. I Kendall Hinton is such a fun story, and I was <laughs> I you know what's funny is I think I. I'm the idiot who like picked him up that one week when he played quarterback for them, and I was like, I'm gonna play him in fantasy football, and I did, and it was like three points because he <laughs> couldn't do anything. But I, even three I points. love stories like that. I think it was, I think it's so fun. But yeah, I mean, Kendall Hinton uh, looks good. The other game, um, curious to hear your thoughts about was that Colts Eagles game. I was convinced it was gonna. Ha- I was convinced that uh, Indy won. I was like, oh my god. Jeff Saturday really listens to this podcast. Thanks for listening, Jeff. And was like, screw those guys. I'm going to win two in a row. Um, yeah, I think that it was a matchup thing for me. I think- what What is more telling? The Colts going toe-to-toe and being right there or the Eagles going toe-to-toe? If you're – love the intonation there. <laughs> um Anybody who doesn't like the Eagles is going to say it's the Eagles aren't what sure, they say they are. Sure, But I think that's not true. I think it's the Colts are the team that we thought that they could be heading into the season. That team we both picked to win the division that has all these good pieces around them and they just needed something to spark it, right? I think it's more about that. I think because okay. this team has so much, right? I talked about it last week. And again, um, I, I, I think Philly is still the team that they said they are. And uh, I still picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I'm still staying with that, right? So I think that people want to see the the Eagles fail, right? Because they are the they were the favorites. I don't actually think that they're considered the favorites right now. Sure. Um, I actually would be surprised. I think Dallas might be the NFC favorite right now. That could um, make sense. But uh, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I uh, I think it was more about they just didn't match up the best with um, with the Colts, right? With the power run with Jonathan Taylor and then. I think the Colts' front is also very solid as well. And they were able to contain that Jalen Hurts run read option very well. And I just I think that they play hard for Jeff Saturday. And I feel like that, that's a weird thing to say about a coach. Um, not a weird thing because I think that we've talked a lot about loving the coach that coaches that are more inspirational, right, and more leaders of men. We've talked about that. The difference between a good coordinator and a good head coach is, is often that. Um, along with game management. But I think it's really just a matter of Jeff Saturday inspires this team and they play hard for him. Um, but yeah, I thought that game was over. until they, And they got down to the goal line at the end of that game. Philly did. And obviously they did. I don't know if you saw um, get up with Dan Olofsky. He broke down it. It's the pass read option or pa- pass run option, not the run pass option. Did you see that? No. So it's, a, it's a college uh, scheme thing. For Okay. I know we have a lot of people. Let me get a little drink of water real quick. <laughs> Dry mouth. Um, I know we have a lot of people that actually listen to the podcast that aren't super crazy football people. Um, the run pass option in the NFL is a college concept. Basically, you run a play where you have the option to hand the ball off and run or pass it if you see it wide open, right? Uh, every team uses it or some form of it, right? 
in the NFL right now. But a new trend in college is the pass-run option. And what will happen is you do it with a mobile quarterback because the running back's often not involved with this. You take the snap, and immediately if you see an opening, you throw it. If not, the quarterback runs, right? And so they kind of flipped it. And that's what, if you watch, I don't know if you have seen the ending play that Herrett scored on, but um, that's what they ran. He takes the ball. He looks immediately to his first read. It's not there, and so he runs. Um, and Orlowski broke it down, and I was like, that's just I, – like I love when people break down game theory like that. Um, but the Eagles are just a smart team. They figure it out, and that's why I believe in them, and that's why I still think they're going to be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl. So, so yeah, to you know, long walk for a short drink of water. I think it's far more the Colts. Good job, like they went toe to toe. I, I don't. They're not going to make the playoffs. I knock, knock on wood. I guess, um, because there's just too many good AFC teams right now. I don't know how you feel about that, but like we just talked about the Jets at six and four, and they're on the outside looking in, right? Yeah. Um. So I just think there's too much to overcome, but. Uh, yeah, I think it's just good job, Colts. I don't know how you feel about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably a little more good job, Colts, but we're seeing chinks in the armor right now for Philadelphia, and I think that's good. I think, you know, I think it's very, very hard and daunting unless you're a fan of the team that's on top because everyone's going to do everything that they can Everyone's going to prep a little extra for that team than they would, I think, normally. When you're going against the team that's the number one in the NFL, you're going to be like, we need to put in an extra hour. Let's get together and figure out this play call that's going to work in this moment and do this. Because, I mean, the Colts, I mean, they they had the formula to beat the Eagles, I think. We talked about it last week. We talked about the strong run game and whatnot. Now, the Eagles did sign Sue and, and they actually, Joseph, and they, they played, they played and they made well, some impacts. Because, yeah. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he didn't hit four yards carry. They gave to him a lot, but he didn't run super well. The, Not I mean, that Jeff we, Saturday cares much about that because he hates analytics. Keep keep going, keep going. I mean, and it, it kind of almost worked. I haven't in this year, and I can't say that I've paid super close attention to the Eagles this year, but I don't think I've seen Jalen Hurts run as much as he had in the Colts game. He had like 18 carries. I don't, I don't know if that number is exactly accurate, but he ran a lot, and I wasn't expecting that. I don't know if that formula, and obviously he's very good, he's very talented, and, and he can do those things, but I think if they're like, you need to carry the ball 15 times a game, I don't, eventually that is not going to work. You were very close. Jalen Hurts ran 16 times, oh. and he ran well. I mean, I so again, just people listening to the podcast, it was 16 for 86 and a touchdown, so he did run very well. And I did say the sentence, they contained Jalen Hurts. I didn't mean like, he didn't have a good game, right? I'm just saying that, like, it didn't destroy them, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know you're right. I, you, So, you recalled your Super Bowl already, right? I did. I don't remember who you picked in the NFC. I picked the 49ers. You picked 49ers. Okay, yeah, probably smart. Um, yeah, so, again, I, I've not, I'm not fully off of Philly, right? I still believe in them. I still think they're a good football team. Um, I'm just more interested in what kind of teams that the Colts are going to upset here near the end of the season and what that'll how that'll impact the the playoff field because that's going to happen I fully believe it's going to happen um any other week 11 games we want to cover actually I would really br- briefly love to get a, a, a mini crushing it to the Pittsburgh Steelers I, I you know I know I picked them and I thought they were going to win that game I don't know if you saw my run your pull but I did pick 
Pittsburgh to win that game. Um, and I thought that they were going to win that game, but Kenny Pickett showing some fire. And when, it's insane that when that TJ Watts and that defense, how much scarier it becomes very quick. But I do want to tell our friend Ian and to my uh, uncles and, and cousins that are uh, Pittsburgh fans that listen to the show. Um, if anybody doesn't know me, I very often say, like, my, my uncles and cousins who are Dallas fans, my uncle, uncles and cousins who are Browns fans. And I'm saying, <laughs> uncles and cousins. I have a large family, guys. <laughs> okay? So I these are all real people. I'm not making it up. Um, but, yeah, I was a little question. They showed a lot of fight. I really, I was really impressed. Sure did. Um, and we reached out to our friend Ian. We might have him on the, the show in the next week or two just to talk about the progress of Kenny and the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that was a good game. That was a game where I feel... In my opinion, it still is rookie year. He hasn't even started all of them. He came in after week four, something along those lines. So he'll be into next year before he even has his, quote, full, first full season. But it was a game that I think solidified, in my opinion, a lot about Kenny Pickett. Because prior to that, I mean, he's done well. I mean, he's still technically, actually after this game, I'm not sure. But he was in, I don't know. He had more turnovers and he does touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. But I've seen a lot of people coming after Kenny, and that's why I want to talk to Ian and, and some Steelers fans to see like their opinion as they studied that team more specifically. But I've seen some people coming after Kenny Pickett being saying he's not comfortable, he looks timid or isn't processing well or looks just rushed and whatnot. This game, I did not feel that way. I thought he I'm really glad he pointed this maneuvered out. it really, really well. Yeah. I thought he made the right decisions. Uh, he and George Pickens are continuing to make that that connection that I think will be really really good down the road. It's good really it's good right now. So as they continue to progress and get that chemistry, I think that's going to be nothing but a plus. But this was the game. Yeah, I was like, okay, Kenny, good job. Like this is the I, defending AFC champ. Yeah, like for sure. you went toe to toe. You absolutely you definitely did, not did. get run Joe over. Was great. Yeah, he was. The whole <laughs> the Bengals played extremely well. Now, I mean, it hurt a little bit, I think, in my opinion, having Joe Mixon because it changed some things. P. Ryan obviously caught three touchdowns, so he absolutely lit it up. But it's obviously a little bit different to have P. Ryan in there versus Joe Mixon. But there was never anything that was like, oh, man, this is the big brother. Like, this is like, we're on this guy's level and we're going to compete. I'm really, I agree almost with everything he said. In fact, no, I, I do agree with everything he said. It was very impressive. And I, I like the way you said that where it was like, it didn't feel like, because I agree with a lot of those things that you said people have been saying, right? Because I don't think he's looked comfortable. I don't think that he's looked like ready to be an NFL starting quarterback, which is weird because most people called him the, the most, most ready. ready. And I don't <laughs> think he's looked that way, but he did. I mean, he didn't have, he had one touchdown, no picks, 265, 25 and 42, Threw the, threw the ball 42 times, right? Yeah. That's a lot of times for anybody, especially a rookie. And I feel like I'm obviously a learn-by-doing kind of guy, right? I, I, I don't really connect a lot with tell me what to do and then I'll go do it, right? I don't really learn very well with like just watching somebody. Like I, I, I'm way better at learn-by-do. Um, and I think more often than not, that's the best way to learn things. And sometimes you just need especially the quarterback to be like, you're going to throw it 42 times. Maybe you throw 10 picks. I don't care. You need to do this, right? Like, For sure, if they threw 10 yeah, picks. Yeah, I know. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? That was the Geno conversation where you had your like, next year he throws 22 or something. So I was like, he's going to get benched before 22, I promise. <laughs> um, but I, again, sometimes I think it needs, sometimes I think you need, 
we're going to do this and just keep doing it until you figure it out, right? Yeah. I think that there's too often in the NFL that I actually think this is a problem that's happened with Zach Wilson is they have tried to protect him too much, sure. right? Sometimes you just need to let a guy cut it loose and go, right? I'm not just talking about uh, the quarterback position, although right now this is that specific example, but anything in sports, anything in life, sometimes I feel like you need to just let somebody go, let somebody fail. Sure. Right? And how many times have I, have I joked with you about the first couple of times we played Fortnite because I was terrible at it? I was like, I don't want to do this. But like <laughs> through playing this video game that's, that's so for cool. like 10-year-olds over and over again and losing over and over again, we've gotten pretty good at it, right? Like that's how it works, right? That's how life works. And I feel like weights were so uncomfortable with the concept of failing that we – prohibit ourselves from success I think and I think that was why this was such a big moment for Kenny Pickett agreeing with what you said is that you're going to go out there and throw it 42 times he it was only 25 of 42 right that's not a great completion percentage right he had some bad throws in that sure but he had some good ones too leading to 265 a touchdown and almost a victory so again you, you there's a give and a take here and so I you're right I do want to talk to Ian about it and see what he thinks about it but I, I couldn't agree with you more for sure yeah, that was it. Was a, and I'll say I didn't think it was gonna be that good a game. I'm not. I'll be honest. Like I was like, okay, yeah, like Pittsburgh will come out and score a couple touchdowns, but like it's not gonna be like, oh, like this is coming down to it. And they proved me wrong, and I think they showed a lot. Obviously, like I said, I picked Pittsburgh in the upset. I thought it was gonna be like thirteen to ten, right? <laughs> um, so, but regardless, uh, let's talk about some Thanksgiving. Let's talk about Thanksgiving Day. First, okay, so uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, played some played some video games, and then went to the theater, had some great dinner with. Good group Can I just want to say great dinner? Like that yeah, was a, it really was. Like the, I was, I, I don't want to. I don't really mean. I know about how many people at the theater listen to our podcast. Um, <laughs> Couple. I, I wasn't like thinking it was going to be bad, right? But I was like, it'll be nice. The food was really good. <laughs> it was, it was much better than I thought it was going to be. Um, so it was fun. It was a good time. I had my traditional Thanksgiving Day sandwich at the end of the night, which was pretty fun with my leftovers. I think I never heard of that before. But, you, yeah, it's one of my favorite things. And uh, anyways, yeah, back to football. <laughs> Uh, back to the World Cup. It's two eleven. Let's get a score check. Oh my gosh, on, we missed on the world. We, we missed, missed toe tap. To- high. I think you called it high toe, <laughs> or maybe, maybe maybe it's a thing that we call it something different now. Every time, yeah, it's tight. Uh, right now, it is zero zero. Um, I don't really know what these numbers. I believe we can win. I believe that we will win. Right now, actually, it says that it's. Uh, Three shots on goal versus no in favor of England, which is not very great. Um, so we're not playing well. That's uh, fine. There's plenty of time. Uh, yes, Thanksgiving. Let's talk about game one. 28-25, Buffalo prevails over the Lions. I was nervous during this game, man. Early on, it was fun because it was like, I have these bets. It'll be cool. Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams, two touchdowns. Josh Allen, two touchdowns. Let's get another Jamal Williams touchdown. It's fun. And then we got to the fourth quarter. I was like, guys, I don't want to lose the Lions here. Um, I'm going to say my little piece here, and then I want to get your thoughts. Okay. Robert Griffin III, who I actually think has become one of my favorite uh, media personalities. Okay. He just sometimes just says things that I'm like, we were all thinking it. Somebody's got to say it. Uh, but he tweeted out, the Lions completely mismanaged the end of the game scenarios from timeout usage to play calls. It's frustrating because they are so much better than a 4-7 and seven record. They've lost five one-score games this year. The Lions are another good football team, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, they have mismanaged at times. And I think 
and I'm going to toss this back to you. I think it might be time to call a little bit into question Dan Campbell. I think it's a great story, and I love him as a person, and I I think he's very motivational. But five one-score games to lose for a team, again, that's five. Let's not even say they win all five of that, right? Because the scenario we could talk about is winning all five, and they're nine and two, one of the best in the league, right? Let's say they win half of them, right? Three or two. That, That still puts them at six and four, seven and three, right? And right there in the playoffs. Like, is it all right for us to sit here and question Dan Campbell a little bit because the Lions should be better than four and seven. Yeah, I think it's okay to question Dan Campbell, but I don't think experience coaching wise, and it's weird to say because I mean, he was an interim and he's been around a lot of great head coaches, but coaching experience, I don't think in my opinion was why you were hiring Dan Campbell. You are hiring Dan Campbell because of that motivational, I'm going to inspire and make these guys play above what they are. And he's great at that. Again, like I said, I love it. He's amazing at that. And I think that's important. So we're only in year two. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't remember if it was three. Year two of this project. So he's learning how to be a head coach. He's had these guys, in my opinion, play above what they are. And so he's going to learn, continue to learn, going back to what you were talking about. You need to learn from your failures. And this is a great example of how to do that where, yeah, we're right there, guys. If I learn this part, who knows how far we can go? I, I, I don't mind that. I would rather have this guy that's inspiring, that is making their players want to play, that is making their players believe that they can beat the – and I – We'll say it this way: the Juggernaut Bills on Thanksgiving. Do you do you still think Buffalo is a Juggernaut? I don't. Okay. Personally, but okay. <laughs> um, I don't think we're a Juggernaut. Well, and we, and we can talk about that on on the, the flip side of this Dan Campbell part. But yeah, I mean, I would rather have this guy that can learn how to be like okay, and you know what? Maybe. This might sound contradictory. Maybe you you hire somebody in the box that you hire. Wasn't there like something at one point where oh, like there was the challenge guy that was like only supposed to be in charge of challenges? Maybe you're yeah. Like, some teams have that. A lot of teams have that actually. You you're just like get the the clock management guy because like as you're down there, like it, I can't imagine. As often as like we we're like it'd be so fun to like be down there and doing it and like we play Madden and like we know how to do this. Like, I don't know how I many can't t- imagine the stress that goes into that. <laughs> I agree with you, but I cannot. I how many times do I have to say every team should hire somebody who's played ten thousand hours of Madden to c- clock manage? We we have to clock manage in Madden when sometimes they run the clock when they shouldn't, and we still <laughs> clock manage better than professional teams. It makes no sense. Ah, be good. So I think chair? it's Sorry. I think it's I think it's fair to be like Dan okay. Cam. What are you doing? Right. Like, yeah. But I also think we can't discredit being a year ago. We were like, wow, like this guy is getting it done. What's your Jared to pivot a little bit? What's your Jared Goff opinion right now? Because he did go twenty three or thirty seven, two forty two touchdowns, no picks. But I made the comment to you when the game started because he was wheeling and dealing, especially to start this game. He was making throws left and right. Amon Ra was open all the freaking time. Um. But, like, what's your Goff opinion? Because I said it when the game opened. I said, sometimes I look at Jared Goff and I'm like, wow, this guy is so good. Why was he, like, jettisoned from the Rams and I was on the Lions, right? And then there are some times where I'm like, should you be playing quarterback anymore? Like, it's the dichotomy between the like the variation is insane. I, what, I, what is your take on Jared Goff? Yeah, I think Jared Goff is a 
solid quarterback. I'm not putting him in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, but Jared Goff is the kind of guy that needed Dan Quinn. He needed a guy to believe in him to be like, okay, like we're here, we're going to we're going to work together. You mean, to Dan, do you this. mean Dan Campbell, right? Dan Campbell, okay. yeah, sorry, I, not Dan I was Quinn. like, I think Dan Quinn's on Dallas. But. He's, he's still in <laughs> Dallas. He is still in Dallas. But he needed the Dan Campbell to be like, hey, like I'm gonna pump you up. I'm gonna be your biggest supporter. Like we're gonna do this together. I see Detroit because Detroit this year is not having the number two pick, probably, unless something catastrophic happens, and then I'll probably recant this conversation about Jared Goff. But I think they're going to draft a quarterback, and we know that a quarterback is is heavy in this year's draft. But that doesn't mean – I think it's going to be similar to the Seahawks. We talked about with Geno Smith. They're going to be like, hey, like we got this guy, and they're going to be drafting higher than the Seahawks. Well, actually, because of the Denver pick, they're kind of not – but they're gonna get their guy, but they're gonna be like, hey, like we Denver still have... higher right now, actually. <laughs> yeah, so Seahawks will be picking before Detroit, um, technically. We're gonna get this guy, but we're not gonna be like, hey, you need to be an NFL starter day one. Like we have this guy that he's been in a lot of situations. He he's been there, he's been to a Super Bowl, like maybe he's not the flashiest guy, but he we're gonna learn from him and then we're gonna put you in. So they're gonna get a guy, they're gonna get the future of the franchise in this draft because I don't think there's a better time to do it than this draft with how they are, with the talent that they have, that's only going to continue to grow. And because of the failures, they're going to learn. So they're going to get that guy. I think Goff's still there. I think Goff is a steady leader for the next year and a half to two years, but he's not a long-term future player in the NFL. I would really love to see Bryce Young. I don't know if you've dug into kind tape of. yet for next year, but I do think there will be five quarterbacks in the first round. And I would love to see Bryce Young with them. So we'll see what happens. But uh, pivoting to the Buffalo side, I don't think they're a juggernaut, and you don't think they're a juggernaut. I'm curious what why you th- – this was a good game for them to win. We yeah. were missing players. I kept pointing out Tremaine's gone. This is why the middle of the field's wide open because he's great in coverage. Mm-hmm. Ed Oliver had one of his best games of his career. Um, not Safety notwithstanding, outside of that, he still was yeah. just totally disruptive in the middle. I thought Daquan Jones had a very strong game. Another uh, interior lineman. I like. I I've talked about on this show a lot how much I trust Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and I think it's never more evident than in these like defensive front guys that they went out and grabbed because they realized that was a problem for us. And now that Ed Oliver has a guy next to him that can also be disruptive and steady, Ed Oliver can shine. Um, so. I talked about injuries as one of them, and it's, that's obvious, but Trey White came back. That was pretty nice. Um, Milano was playing. Now Von Miller left the game. I don't know the update on Von Miller quite yet. I haven't really looked at that uh, yet. But I talked about injuries. I talked about the Kyle Brandt dubbed sugar high Josh Allen problem, right, as one <laughs> of the problems, and then the commitment to like the play calling of the run game. Like I talked about those things as the reason why I don't think we're the favorites anymore, but I talked about them as being correctable, right? On our last episode. So why don't you see them as a juggernaut anymore? I don't see them as a juggernaut anymore. And maybe this is what it means to not be the juggernaut anymore. But I don't think people fear the Buffalo Bills the way that they did. I'll say this. Last year, the Buffalo Bills allowed over 20 points four times. Two of those times was 21 and 23. They've allowed three games. The last three, the last three games have been over. 20 points people aren't and we saw this at the beginning of the year people were like we can't move the ball against the buffalo bills we can't do this like we can't nothing's happening like what would we do that's not what this is anymore and i think you obviously the score in cleveland was a little bit 
it looks closer than it was because Cleveland got to score at the very end. But Cleveland hung around until the, the second half and then some stuff happened and whatnot. But I just don't think people are like, we can't move the ball against the Bills. No, and I don't think that either. I, again, I, I actually – I there were two weeks where I was like, oh, we're a juggernaut. And, but that was it. It wasn't as long as a lot of people said. Um, I think that I think that the Bills this year are, are a case study on the inaccuracy of the media a little bit. Because I think that it's it's a completely perfect, in my estimation, representation of what the media does with sports, especially football. Oh, sure. Because I think that they locked on to a couple pop performances – and we're like, yeah, Buffalo, which, again, they're a very good team, right? We can still win the Super Bowl. I still believe we're going all the way. But, like, nobody really dug in the weeds and looked at it, right? And I, we've always had blemishes, right? I never thought we were a perfect team. But, like, the media flipped on Josh Allen so fast so this year, and it's so weird because – and I have this stat. In 2021, Mahomes had 10 picks in nine games, and they were 5-4. and four. But then they finished 12-5 and five, and, you know – one on the run, right? In 2022, People Josh Allen... did flip on Mahomes, though. Did they including, flip on Mahomes? Including you. Well, I'm a flip Including a little bit of me. I'm a classic flip-flopper. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Allen had 10 picks through nine games, and they were 6-3, and three, right? Like I, And then now they've won two straight games. They're 8-3, and three, and they're lo- looking solid again, right? Now, obviously, the big Jets and Miami rematches are going to be crazy and fun. we got some divisional opponents coming up here, a.k.a. next Thursday night against the Pats. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that they, I think they've been miscovered, and I think that's the problem. But no, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't see him as a juggernaut. I will say uh, about Von Miller. Yeah. Von Miller did not tear his ACL, oh but there is Surgery? damage Ooh. that they're just. He's going to be out at least Thursday. Because they're waiting the week to see. I think they should just. Surgery is required. Okay, so we. <laughs> the they div- want to see if he'll play through it or have it in the offseason. The division is up for grabs, actually. I, I'm not I'm not an idiot fan. I know that, like, the Dolphins are dangerous, right? I'm not an idiot. <laughs> um, just put him on the bench and sit into the playoffs because, oh, my God, I didn't realize. I did not realize how invaluable Vaughn was to our defense. Like, we both love Vaughn Miller. I know he's an incredible impact player but like we talked about it that we needed him for the playoff moments right but he's been vital to this defense right he's been incredibly disruptive he's been like just he's looked like young von miller so far this defense i will be worried about this defense's um success if he's out for a long time let alone the season i think we need him to win the super bowl so what you just said sit him until the playoffs do you mean that? I do actually, yes. Because, like I said, and that's why I prefaced that. I'm that's okay why, with. That's why I prefaced it with. I know the division's still up for grabs because I don't want to be like sit them. Don't worry about it. We have the division locked up because we don't, right? But I think we can still win this division without Von Miller. I do not think we can win the Super Bowl without Von Miller. He's been he, like, I, I don't know if people people listening how closely you watch Bills games. Like, he is invaluable to our defense. The way that he's able to pressure quarterbacks and draw double teams away from guys like Rousseau, who missed Thanksgiving Day, um, and Boogie Basham, and even Ed Oliver in the middle. Like, sometimes Ed Oliver gets double teamed way more than people realize. They can't do that if they have to worry about Von Miller, right? And if they don't have to worry about Von Miller, then our other guys aren't going to be as disruptive. So, I like, this is a big concern 
um, for for the Bills. So again, I don't know, but yeah. I, so like I said, he's out seven to ten days of organizational activities, as far as I'm understanding. And at that point, they will be evaluated whether or not he's going to have the surgery then or wait. And you know I'm much more conservative than I think most common people. And I know that there are outs and whatnot, but this is a guy that just signed a six-year deal, right? Like, I understand you're playing for the ultimate prize right now, and I'm not even talking about division winner right now because I think all y'all, and I said it a couple weeks ago about Josh Allen, once y'all are in the playoffs, like you can, like, you can do it. And so I don't think you're in any jeopardy of falling outside of the playoffs. Like your team has too much, and I don't too much talent. And I don't think Von Miller tips it to that where you're going to lose the next six games. I don't I think Buffalo's too good. I for agree. That. I, I agree with that. I do. So I if like he sits out for five weeks and gets it to a good enough place where with a brace or whatnot, you're not talking about extreme damage or anything along those lines. I think that's okay. But to be like we're going to sit him this week and then he'll be back. Like we have a longer term future. Our aspirations, yeah, our aspirations are much higher than winning aspirations than than that for sure. Um, you're right. Yeah, we don't we don't need Von Miller to win the division. We need Von Miller when there's 13 seconds left against the Patrick yeah. Mahomes led Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> That's what we need him for. So, but regardless, in good news still, the Bills are the first team to win back to back games in Ford Field in Detroit since 2016. Josh Allen now completes the Turkey Day Turkey. Winning an every time slot. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, thoughts on the other games? Are we going to talk a little Cowboys here? Yeah, I think this was a, a, Cowboys. This was a, a big one for the Cowboys to to take the lead over the Giants, be number two in the East right now, and be nipping at the heels of the, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think this is a, a really strong game from a, a mental standpoint because Dak, the first half, throws those two interceptions. They're down. They scored one touchdown. I think they were actually running the ball pretty well. I was happy to see uh, Zeke doing well uh, instead of just being the two-yard plotter guy and then Tony Pollard breaking the occasional eight yards and whatnot. So I, I liked seeing both running backs being balanced. I thought that was really helpful for them as a whole to allow the sh- here. I said it earlier, but the ship to be righted a little bit. They they just steadied it out, and eventually the the offense clicked and they played the way that you'd expect the Dallas Cowboys to play. I actually feel like the Giants continue to play the way that I expected them to play. I was hoping they'd be better, but I said, I don't know. I don't even know how long it was ago that you asked me the to map out the Giants' schedule, and I said they need to be able to score more than 24 points. They've done it one time this year. One time that they score more than 24 points. And they're going to run into these teams in these situations where they need to do it, and it, it comes into the clock management. We are sitting there saying, like, yeah, like, you have a great run game, Dayball. Like, you're doing it. Like, you're moving the ball. You're moving the chains. But you can't. You need to let it rip at this point. And that was the, that was the drive that made us turn the game off, right? <laughs> we were like, I just I can't do it. Um, yeah, the the Cowboys are fascinating because they're, they've got so much talent everywhere. Um, our uh, Dallas correspondent sent me some stats that I'm going to read a little bit. Um, but it talked about... <laughs> In weeks one through six for the Cowboys offense, they were number 23 in offensive points and 27 in total yards. Uh, since Dak has returned in week seven to 11, so this is before that game, for the Thanksgiving game, they're first and third, respectively, in those categories, right? So, like, their their offense has completely been, oh, like, 
we we have a lot of DAC conversations in the media, right? We we have a lot of DAC conversations on this podcast. Dak's been very good. And it was so funny that you talked about it during the game yesterday. You were like, you want to know the reason why I question Dak? He just doesn't never looks cool when he plays football. <laughs> I just think it's so funny. But he has he's played very well. Cool or not. Um, he's played very well and he dominates the NFC East, right? He's 25. Actually, after the win uh last night, he's now 26 and 6 against the NFC East, 9 and 1 against the Commanders, 10 and 2 against the Giants, 7 and 3 against the Eagles. Uh, I think he's now 9 and 0 or 10 or 10 or 10 and 0 at like home against the Giants. It's a crazy, it's a big stat. Um but he dominates the NFC East and that's why I like it I'm very fascinated to see this rematch against Philly. Um, but uh, I I think that... I think we maligned Dallas a little bit too much. It's so funny that after week one, we're like, Dallas season's over. Um, we never said that, but still. Um, and now all of a sudden, they considered the favorites actually on... I think they are the favorites on FanDuel to represent the NFC. I don't, I'm not positive about that. If not, they're at least in the top two or three. Um, but this is a scary Dallas team. Like I, I would be, I would be worried to play this Dallas Cowboys team. Sure, sure, yeah, I hear you, one hundred percent. I will say to, I, I'm notorious for for poking holes in Mike's arguments. So those those numbers, and I kind of, the the jump in the NFL in terms of points and things are so minuscule in my opinion. To from to jump from twenty third to to third or whatever you say, like we're talking about oftentimes a field goal separates those things. So yeah, we can't discredit. They put up 40 against the Vikings. That's great. But the other games, so they put up 28 against green Bay, 49 against the bears, but we're not like the world, the Chicago bears defense are world beaters to put it in perspective to, to talk about like how much better Dax doing than Cooper rush. They scored five more points against this giant, this team against the Giants, then Cooper rushed it against the Giants. Whoa! Brought to you by the West Wing. First of all, uh, I don't know if that actually showed up because my audio was locked. This phone number has now called me three times in the last 30 seconds. Maybe you need to answer. I don't know. <laughs> live, on the, live on the podcast? It's your soulmate. <laughs> it's an 814 number, so it's like from home, but I don't, why is this number calling me so many times in a row? One, two, three, five times in a row. I'm thinking it's probably health insurance. Eight one four. Should I say the number? Um, Everyone call. Get your health coverage. What if it's my, my like my nana? No, it's not my. Why nana. would you not know your nana's phone number? Um, because she gets. She's. It is my nana. Why is my nana calling me so many times in a row? I don't know. Okay, keep going. Well, if she calls again. Okay, maybe you should take that. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. Five more points. So to be like, oh man, Super Bowl. Like, let's let's pump the brakes for a second. That's all I'm saying. I agree. Sorry. Um, I just don't know why she would have called me so many times in a row. Um, I don't think we need to talk about the Vikings game because I want to talk. I don't want to talk about Bailey Zappi too much, and the episode's going long. Um, so let's get into Week Twelve here. Okay. <laughs> Right, finally into week twelve. Week twelve, so it's time for pals picks. Oh yeah. Uh, so actually, here's the thing that I really want to do right now. If you're cool with it, I want you to give the rundown of pals picks, 
in like five minutes because I want to make sure nothing's wrong with my Nana here right now. Oh, man. Because <laughs> uh, I'm mildly concerned about this. So feel, okay. I'm going to go mute on my thing. I think you, you're okay. You give the rundown. I'll be right back. Okay. Okay. So, Pal's picks, we both did pretty well. We went two and one last week. I got some help from, from Coin Flip Magic and the Patriots. Getting that done. Getting that done. Crazy game, though. I uh, It made me sweat a little bit. I was disappointed that uh, Fields got hurt, so they lost that game. But the, the Saints looked like a complete team against the Rams, and the Rams uh, continue to fall on their face a little bit. Matt Stafford out yet again, so it's going to be... I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Let me get that so I know. Uh, Bryce Perkins. Bryce Perkins is going to be starting for the, the Rams again. So the Rams continue to uh, just have that little bit of a lull going on uh, in their Super Bowl hangover. I feel like it, uh, we, we never talk about the winning team from hangover, but, you know, I think this is the worst a Super Bowl defending team has, has been uh, record-wise in like 20 years or something along those lines. So, anyways, back to Bow's picks. I continue to have a two-week lead on Adam, so we're coming down, guys. If you've realized this, but the math right now, like, we're getting close. So there's six more weeks. I I have I have some comfort room going on here. So still ahead. See, told you everything was fine. My Nana's fine, everybody. She's fine. She's, she's again, she's got, like, four different cell phones in her lifetime because she doesn't use it. She said apparently her cell phone's so old that if she accidentally clicks someone's name, it'll call multiple times in a row. She's like, it just got stuck on your name, and I kept calling you. I don't know what it was Nana, doing. Nana, I love you, but that that sounds right. I don't know. I love her, too, but she's okay, everybody. Yeah, so this is unscripted. <laughs> uh, no one knows no. what games are going to be picked except oh, for me, this who's is scary. got to pick the games first. All right. So I didn't, I didn't play this gem, but... You were really close to going 3-0 and and not uh, being really two weeks it. down. You're going to play it now? So I'm going to play Here it Here we now. go. But the Raiders suck and I hate that. Oop. But the Raiders suck and I hate that. But the Raiders suck and I hate that. They broke my heart and I'm hurt. Real close to being 3-0 and last week. <laughs> I am hurt. I'm I'm hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so you weren't here for the recap, but I'm sitting at 23 and 10. You are 17 and 16. Wow, you're 23 and 10. God, why are you 10. so smart? <laughs> it's just I I had to eventually do well, so I get to give you the games first. So here we go, off the cuff, no prep, no anything. The first game I'm giving you is the Broncos traveling to take on the Carolina Panthers. You just love, you just love to torture me, don't you? This is this is five years coming. Is it in Carolina? That's what uh, that's what it means when the Broncos visit hey, the Panthers. You should shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Broncos suck, and I hate them. <laughs> the Broncos suck, and I hate them. Uh, Sam Darnold starting. Sam Darnold, everybody. Denver Broncos. Look, I'm not a fool. I'm picking the the Panthers because the Broncos aren't going to score 18 points. That's it. It's that simple, right? Okay. Broncos aren't going to score 18 points, which means everybody start your Broncos because they're going to score so many points because I said they're not going to do, do it. we believe that the Panthers can score 18 I do. I do. Like, I think that they have enough weapons on the offense. I know they don't have CMC anymore, obviously, but DJ Moore is still a great receiver. Terrace Marshall's actually looked really great. Um, we like Tommy Tremble Dante a lot. Dante Foreman's looked great. Dante Foreman's looked great. Yeah. Chuba Hubbard's back. Um, they have weapons. They have pieces. Um 
and uh, that their defense is great. We like I don't think that should be debated anymore. I think the Panthers' defense is great, and yeah. they've got a lot of young talent on there. And uh, I mean, if if Russell Wilson can't score eighteen points on the Las Vegas Raiders' defense, then he's not going to score eighteen points against this Panthers defense that's young and fast and uh, passionate. So, there we yeah, have we're going it. Panthers. We uh, said this game was coming up, and it is. It is officially written down. Falcons at Commanders. I think, and I'm glad you pointed out the the Atlanta defense earlier in the episode, I think this is the Taylor Heineke coming crashing down game. Okay. I think that the Falcons are going to win. I'm going to pick the Falcons. I don't think it's because the Falcons defense is just this crazy good thing, right? They have some nice pieces, and obviously it showed up, <laughs> right? Um, but I really just don't think that the offense is going to be able to um, do enough. And I like people have maligned Mariota, and there have been times where Mariota has looked very bad, right? I know I'm the Mariota fan on the show. I know I'm the Falcons fan I like on the show. Marcus Mariota. I know you like him, but again, I know I'm the fan, right? I'm the <laughs> one that said he was going to win MVP three years ago. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember that, but I do. Um, I think that this offense is so unique with the run. I think Cordero Patterson being back has meant everything to this offense. And they, I know they lost Kyle Pitts, but it doesn't matter. They didn't throw it to him anyway. So it'll be fine. It's so funny. I saw somebody tweet where it was like um, they were like quoting a conversation they were, between like a reporter and Mariota. And he was like, Kyle who? And he was like, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not going to throw to his replacement either. And it said Marcus Mariota probably after hearing about Kyle Pitts. Um, so I, I think that the offense will just do enough. And, like, I picked the Falcons to win this division when I recalled it. Um, I know that there's a very interesting matchup between the Buccaneers and the Browns this week in Cleveland. Um, but uh, I think – I believe in the Falcons. I think this will be a good game. I think this will be, like, a 21-20 or a 23-20 kind of game. Um, like, you know, two touchdowns on each side and a bunch of field goals in the middle. But I just – I think Heineke won't be able to get it done, and I think we're going to see Carson Wentz pretty soon. Oh, man. Oh no! Oh no! Last but not least, Steelers coffee on me? <laughs> at the Colts Monday Night Football. Screw you, man! You just you're like, let's pick all the teams that Adam has bad opinions on and force <laughs> them to talk about it. <laughs> Monday Night. I'm gonna go with the Colts on this one. I like what I've seen from Kenny. We just talked about it. We lauded praise on top of him. I I do like. I, I like what I've seen, and their defense is very good, especially with T.J. Watt being back. I don't think this is going to be a particularly fun game to watch. I would like to be wrong about that because I think there's just going to be a lot of sacks and a lot of... That's got to give you love. I'm just... Okay, well, I'm a man of the people. I'm talking about other people. I'm going to love it, but uh, I think it's going to be Smash Mouth. I think it's going to be um, a little back and forth in terms of like which defense makes the play back and forth. Um, but I just, I think that the Colts are a little, they're not what I thought they would be heading into the season, but they're closer to that than they are to what they were with Ellinger and all that jazz, right? Okay. So that's where I'm going with. All right. So you took the Panthers over the Broncos, the Falcons over the Commanders, and the Colts over the Steelers. Let's test my improv skills here, uh, so I can flip through all these games really quick that I have left to pick up from. Uh, my first game actually is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals, who just came off of that 37-30 victory against Pittsburgh, traveling to Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Titans. 
Yeah, that that is a good game. I think it very well could be one of the better games of the weekend. I'm going to go with the oh, have the wrong color highlighter selected. Gonna go with the Bengals, the road team in this one. I I, I really like the Titans team as a whole. We were talking yesterday about how Mike Vrabel is right there in terms of coach of the year uh, accolades and whatnot. The Titans played really well Thursday night against Green Bay. They got Traylon Burks going a little bit. I think that, in a way, may hurt them in this game because if Burks didn't have that game, I feel the Bengals might be like, oh, he hasn't really done anything. We don't need to pay that much attention. Now they're like, oh, alert, alert, alert. We got to focus on that guy. So it's going to draw attention to him. I really still like the Bengals' defensive unit in terms of their linebackers getting after Henry. And I think it will be the same. I don't want to say the same because it's not. I don't think Burrow's going to take the nine sacks that he did in the playoff game. And Tannehill will lose on the, the pick. But I think the result will be the same as the playoff game. Yeah, it's interesting. Somebody was talking on Twitter. I forget which Twitter head it was. But they said, this Titans team is very, very good. They're really just like an A.J. Brown away from being a, a favorite. And they're like, too bad they don't have that guy. <laughs> um, so if Burks can become a guy like that for them, uh, Tennessee can be dangerous too. So Tennessee at home. Let's go to that White Lotus. Mike White starting at home in New Jersey against the frisky Chicago Bears. We don't have an update yet on Justin Fields. He's been considered day-to-day all week. We don't know if he's going to play or not, uh, but tossing it to you. Who yeah, wins this in, weird in, game? In my opinion, uh, as much as I love Justin Fields, I don't even think it would matter if he plays. I believe in the Jets' defense more than I do anything else. And I talked about Mike White coming in and just moving the ball a little bit. I don't even care if it's to the 30 consistently to let field goals be kicked. Not being trapped behind their own 50 is what I expect out of this quarterback. So points will be scored, and I don't see the Jets giving up scoring plays. Personally, in my opinion, I hope Fields sits because I don't want... I think this is a defensive line that's gotten after quarterback, that's gotten after quarterback, that's gotten after... And I think he will just mess himself up if he plays. That's probably the proper estimation. I figured you'd say that, but um, I really want to give you the Cardinals game because I hate the Cardinals and I really want just to see you, but you're going to pick... You'd pick the Chargers easily. So let's make it more fun. Let's go to (laughs) Jacoby Brissett's final start. At home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the three and seven Browns that are way better than three and seven. Just want to make that very clear: way better than three and seven. Uh, Brissett's final start. Watson's been practicing. We will talk about that next week. I don't want to talk about that on our episode this week. Um, but the the five and five Bucks against the three and seven Browns. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going with the road team here as well. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Bucks. Um, We've gone all over the roller coaster in terms of what their defense is, and sometimes it's really, really hot, and sometimes it comes down in that loop, but I still think it's a it's an upper echelon defense, in my opinion, that can pressure the quarterback and make them uncomfortable and, and force turnovers. I think that's going to happen out of Brissett a little bit. I do think the run game can get going against this Tampa Bay Bucks defense, but I just feel like they're going to have the key takeaway in the key moment, and you can't do that against Tom Brady. I think because of that, we're going to see why, as much as you hate it, 
they need Deshaun Watson under center versus Jacoby Brissett in this game. No, they do. And again, we'll talk about it. Um, I don't. I don't want to get into that right now. Sure, that, that'll I be a really long conversation that we <laughs> we will have, and I want us to have, just not on this episode. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I'm very interested in this game because I do think it can be the upset. Like I I think that I probably will pick Cleveland when all said and done. Um, but I mean, Tampa Bay is kind of fighting for their lives here to make sure they win this division, right? Yeah. Um, and they have a rematch with Atlanta late in the season, so it's going to be fascinating to watch. But yeah, I get it. So you went two home teams and one road team with the Jets, the Titans, and the aforementioned Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That was Pal's picks. I took the Bengals. Oh, you took the Bengals. That's right. Wait. Yes, that's right. Um, that was Pal's picks, sponsored by. Slow mo, slow mo. Oh, spotted by Nana. Nana, I love you. My Nana's wonderful. All right, now it's time for some fantasy corner. Oh, all right. So we can talk about our team in a second. What I want to talk about first is a new segment. <gasps> this is tell me I'm not stupid for making this trade. Okay. So we talked about this in our dynasty league. We have a new listener. Hi, thanks for listening. Yeah. Uh, a new guy in the diehard dynasty league that I'm in. I made a dynasty trade. It's a pretty big deal. I am a 7-4 and four team. Uh, this is a 16-team league. I am in the playoffs currently. I don't believe that I'm fully able to win the title this year. Okay. Um, so I wanted to make a move where I recoup some picks um, and also get some talent back, right? So I traded Stefan Diggs and Christian Harris, a young linebacker, uh, for Houston. This is an IDP league, individual defensive player. That's what that stands for, for those of you who don't know. I traded Stefan Diggs and Christian Harris, and I got back Cortland Sutton, I got back Patrick Queen, a first and a fourth round pick. Tell me I'm not stupid for making this trade. So because of the caveat of you saying that you don't believe that you can win right now, I don't think you're stupid. I understand I was in this league prior to this year, just got out for some personal reasons and and whatnot. So I understand some of the teams you're going against. So I get what you're saying. Because of that, I don't think this is a bad trade because I do think that you know, it was, I said to you, this was four months ago. That we were like, Cortland Sutton, yeah. Like, we really we like We were him. both excited for Cortland Sutton. I had a lot of stock going, in Sutton. And going I back just... to two years ago, we we loved him and whatnot. He's still young. He's 27 years old. And you were saying, like, the, the, the either or. Like, we can't, it is possible for next year for everything to click in Denver. And Denver is the higher octane offense than we have expected so it is possible and i will say in terms of just the player himself so Cortland sutton has a great stretch of games coming that should be wide receiver friendly you picking up in my opinion a better idp player that's still young patrick queen he was one of my favorite linebackers coming out of lsu a couple years ago really really loved him. and i should say and i know you love roquan and i love roquan too ever since roquan showed up patrick queen's been a totally different player players impact players that yes way. and i like if you guys if you don't watch baltimore ravens football that's fine when you watch this defense before roquan patrick queen looked bad at times he looked lost he looked like he was completely being burned all the time in coverage and he couldn't read things right patrick queen's more of an instinctual player where it's like i see it i go right it's yeah. he's not the you know what i mean a different type of player since roquan has showed up and took in command of this defense very quick by the way i thought it would take a lot longer Patrick Queen's been able just to like see the hole and go. And that's why he's been so good. Yeah, so I, I like you getting that piece. And then, like you said, those picks tip the scale to me. Now, I really do like Christian Harris. I think he can grow and continue. And 
we've gone back and forth whether or not we believe Lovey Smith will be there. I hope he is, but I believe Harris is a great Lovey Smith linebacker to be there in the middle, and he's grown a little bit since he's gotten to be in that playing time. I hope it continues. So I think that's a valuable asset. That's not like, a, oh, like a rookie that has only 25 tackles so far because, I mean, he wasn't playing. So I think that's still valuable. But with you not having those picks that you had that you recouped, I like that trade. I think it's good for both sides. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I, I think, I think I'm glad overall that I did it too. So now I've recouped my picks. I actually didn't have a first, second, or third round pick and that's next important. year. Yeah. Now I have Getting all those. those back. I have all those back, yeah. and I have two fourth round picks now. And I still like, I'm still a good team. Seven to four. I still have guys like Josh Allen, Ramondre Stevenson, Gabe Davis, now Sutton. I made a trade last or two weeks ago for Dalton Schultz that I really love. He scored two touchdowns. Right. Um, I, I've got Debo Samuel still on this team. I've got some good IDPs. Like I said, Ed Oliver just scored 31 points in terms of individual defensive player. Now I have Queen. I have Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, the young Cleveland linebacker. I have Jack Sanborn, clearly the best linebacker in the NFL now. Wow. Um, right? So I have a lot of really good pieces on this team. I just really wanted that first-round pick yet. So thank you for telling me I'm not stupid. Now we can talk about our team if we want. <laughs> yeah. So we won last week. Did not, unfortunately, get to move up in the standing. So we stayed dead pat. Uh, we're at the eighth seed. So we're still two out from the playoffs. But Interesting again, matchup this week against the team that's right behind us. That's won six straight. That is won six straight. That are technically only one game below us. But all the way up to the four seed now is within a game. So even though we didn't move up, it's still very significant that we won that game because we're right there seeing how some things fall out. It's going to start coming down to matchups, which is uh, it's a scary place to be, but it's also a good place to be. So we, we – Again, we have a good team. We, we have, have a, a team, team that I feel solid about. And, you know, I talked a couple weeks ago about, like, uh, the roller coaster that I think our team is. And, I mean, like, it truly is. I mean, we're 11-11, so we're truly a roller coaster team. But we did have two of our players play yesterday on Thanksgiving, and I think as a whole, it was some things to be thankful Very for. Very good, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Stefan Diggs scored 17, almost 18. TJ Hagen scored his touchdown, so over 12. I will also say, you would hope with Diggs was targeted 15 times that maybe he catches more than seven, but good game. He did regardless. catch more He's than great. seven. He caught eight. Wow. So You're right. I'm a terrible fantasy player. <laughs> um, we have some things to talk about, though, in terms of what we do with our team here because we do have Mike Williams in our flex position. I know we've been waiting for so long for Mike Williams to get back, and then we were like, oh, like finally Justin Herbert's got his weapons back. He's got Keenan Allen. He's got Mike Williams. And I think for most intents and purposes, I think Herbert did have one of his best before. So before the big, the first month, he was pretty hot had his best fantasy game in quite some time last week but mike williams makes one toe tap catch which is a great catch and great job getting your feet in but he tweaked that ankle on that catch do we still roll with him in this position he did not practice yesterday i i will say this this is something that maybe i don't know how you feel do we try to explore a trade involving but it is the trade deadline so we can make a trade today or tomorrow before sunday Involving Mike Williams, we can look at that. Maybe I don't like know, a, like a one for one. Maybe yeah, maybe we trade him for like somebody who's a lesser talent, but it is least healthy and playing right. Um, it might be something we can explore. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, yeah. I've actually tried to trade Mike Williams in almost every league that I have him for this reason. Um, but I, I I am worried about playing Mike Williams. I feel like I'd feel better playing a DK Metcalf on our bench or even a Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert's okay. I know he's questionable. 
Um, but I would feel more comfortable with that than Mike Williams right now because who's I to say? agree. But Mike Williams is also a kind of player that like sometimes, even if he's injured, can show up and still catch five touchdowns, <laughs> right? He's just so weird. Um, and I love the stack, but I, I do feel like I'd be a little bit more comfortable with DK in this position. Um, the other question is, our Atlanta Falcons defense, that which actually performed well last week, is projected yeah, yeah. to score 1.94 points. <laughs> yeah, I think that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, what do you think is going to happen in this game? Is it like Washington's an offensive <laughs> juggernaut? <laughs> I So just in terms of so we know what that means, um, I guess they've had two games that were worse than that. Um, they had to give up 35 and... 21 without any kind of defensive stat to be that bad. Yeah, it would be, it would, it would the, be pretty a sack. Yeah, they're going to get one sack, guys. I Anyways, <laughs> I hear you when it comes to that. So I don't know what that means. I don't know. Do we want to? I'm going to pitch a name right now that maybe isn't super exciting. But to think about, and that is the Seattle Seahawks defense. I could be talked into it. I could be talked into it. Seattle is they've been they've been hot in term in, in both worlds, I think, of fantasy and real life. Their defense has turned it around. And obviously this is uh, where you need splash plays, right? You don't I mean, obviously you'd love if your team pitches the shootout and whatnot, but I will say they've scored Outside of Tampa, which we know it's hard to bait Tom Brady into mistakes. And they did have two interceptions against him. That's important. They've had over 12 every game before that for the last month. All right, you talked. You sold me. Let's pick him up. Okay. I would drop Atlanta. As Atlanta as, served us real well. As fun as for the it was, I would drop we, it. Yeah, I would drop it. Except for the one where we like, the Carolina oh, Panthers game. I was so confident about it, too. And also, was it you that pointed out? Wasn't it weird? Did it feel like the rain rained way harder when Every Atlanta was on? Time. And I was like, what is going on in this game? Yeah, it was real weird. Um, okay, I feel good about it. I feel good okay, about it. Okay, so we'll play. Pivotal week. Going with the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. We're going full, full Seattle with DK and their defense as well. Which is exciting. You know, every time, any, we're going to get points the entire Seattle game, no matter which way. We are brilliant fantasy players. Okay. Uh, that was Fantasy Corner, sponsored by Aquafina, because you guys stay hydrated in fantasy football playoffs are coming up. Yep. I just saw the Aquafina and I just went with it. Um, all right. I've got. A couple of tidbits, but then that's it. Let's give a quick World Cup update, everybody. <gasps> it is the halfway point. The game is 0-0, okay? Uh, U.S. picked it up a little bit, all right? They now have six shots on goal, and uh, England, I was going to say New England, only has five. So they it was started 3-0 you know? in terms of shots on goal. Now it's been 6-2. to two. We, We're heating up, man. We're heating up. Just got to convert those shots on goals to actual goals. I agree, we do. Uh, we also have six fouls, two corner kicks, and one save. So it's we're we're in this game. Still guys. only one high toe. Yeah, only one high toe, and the possession is heavily favored to England. I will say it's sixty-one to thirty-nine percent. So well, we're not out of the woods yet, but solid showing. Let's go to some tidbits here. I uh, wanted to point out some of these. Um, th- this crazy 
record from Patrick Mahomes, who is now 14-0 and in road divisional games. Do you know that? <laughs> disgusting. I, I believe it. Absolutely disgusting. And somebody said, this, is, this made me laugh out loud, it said the AFC West spent a billion dollars, not hyperbole, Spent a billion dollars combined to stop the Chiefs, and it's over before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Just how disgusting is that? Uh, combined a billion dollars spent by the Chargers, uh, the Broncos, and the Raiders, and it's over. The Chiefs won the division already. It's just it's insane. Um, Browns running back Nick Chubb had 900 rushing yards this season heading into um, the Bills game. Uh if he, I don't know what how many rushing yards he ended up with. If you wanted to check that real quick for me, I'm going because it said that he needed 46 yards on that game that he to become the third running back in NFL history with at least 950 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in his first five seasons. Um, so if he hit that 46 yard rushing mark, did he actually? Don't think he did. He did not. I was gonna say I feel like he didn't have a big game, but he. Y'all did very well containing him. He only had 19, which is yards. again, which is fine. He will get this number, right? Like oh, yeah. it could have been. Um, 950 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns in each of his first five seasons. He will hit those marks, right? Um, only two running backs have ever hit that mark in their first, uh, what is it, um, five seasons. Can you guess the two running backs? That's okay, kind of fun. Can I guess? I'm sorry. Can you repeat it? Then? 950 rushing yards, eight rushing touchdowns in all of your first five seasons. Only two running backs have ever done it. Uh, LaDainian Tomlinson. That is correct. That is one of them. That is correct. Um, is... Okay, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Is this like a 2000s player? This is, or is this, this... this is not an old old player. Okay. Um, I don't even know what that means. I'm trying to. So it's not era. a play. It's it's this player played in the 2000s. Okay, okay yeah, played it's in the not, two... It's not an old player. Um, but is it something unique? Like I'm. No, you'll be like, oh yeah, as soon as you either guess it or know it. Adrian like, Peterson. Yes, it is. Those are the two: Adrian Peterson and Ladainian Tomlinson. Only two running backs to have 950 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in their first five seasons. Nick Chubb is going to jo- join that. That that's pretty great club. And that's pretty awesome. That's pretty great, great club to be in. Um, fun little a little uh, you can use numbers the way that you want to thing here. Uh, somebody tweeted out: Justin Fields has more rushing touchdowns than Christian McCaffrey. More rushing yards than Dalvin Cook, as many touchdown passes as Tom Brady, and a higher passer rating <laughs> than Dak Prescott. Um, and then again, this is a fun like you can use stats the way you want. Somebody quote tweeted this and said Justin Fields also has fewer rushing touchdowns than Jamal Williams, lower yards per attempt than Zach Wilson, fewer passing touchdowns than Jared Goff, and a lower passer rating than Andy Dalton. So two things can be said. You can use stats any way you want, guys. Just be very careful with when you use them. <laughs> Robert Sala issues a warning to Bears. If he plays, we're going to hit him. Wait. Hold on. An NFL head coach is saying that if a football player plays, they're going to hit him? This is why we need video for our show. The faces that we make sometimes. Uh, last but not least, I wanted to point out, I found the tweet. It was Robert Griffin III, actually, that had this uh, take on Zach Wilson. I want to read like a little bit of the thread here uh, from Robert Griffin because I think it's important. I uh, said, Zach Wilson is judged differently because he is a high draft pick. Uh, Wilson is 5-2 sure. and two as a starter this year, and he his play hasn't been great. He has four touchdown passes, five interceptions, and a QBR of 45. Uh, for those of you who don't know QBR, it's out of 100, so under 50 is pretty bad. Um, 
It says, what if I told you a quarterback is having similar results and receiving some adoration? It says the other quarterback is 4-1 and one as a starter with similar results, five touchdowns, four interceptions, QBR 46, uh, and just got named the starting quarterback despite no touchdowns in his last two games uh, for one reason only, and it's Taylor Heineke of the Washington Commanders, right? So uh, a little bit of a perception versus reality thing, and I mentioned this about this, but uh, Zach Wilson lost a couple games recently playing poorly. The Commanders have won a couple games recently playing poorly. And it's, I mean, it's it just it's interesting to point out. But I do think it is some of what uh, he's his number two overall pick. They expect a lot more from him. Whereas Taylor, Taylor Heineke is like, was, was he undrafted, I think? Right? I'm actually not sure. I think he was undrafted. And so now he's like, there's the expectations like, oh, they're winning with an undrafted quarterback or a fourth or a fifth round pick. Like, crazy. Let's stay with him. Whereas I feel like they should probably go back to Carson Wentz. I, I don't disagree with that. I'm the the Wentz the Wentz fan, as you talked about Marcus earlier. I will say I think you pointed out a really important part about this though is that Washington, whatever it is, they're like yeah, like we believe like this is it. That is not what's happening in New York. You pointed that out as well, so I think that is is important as well. Yeah, I think it boils down it boils down to that for sure. But I do think it's 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 worth, it is a fascinating yeah, narrative. It's though. worth to point out because. For sure. And obviously, we'll track it. That's what our podcast is about. Um, I'm, I'm just fascinated to follow the, both these storylines heading into the end of the season. So those are my tidbits. He was undrafted. He was. I thought he was, too. I think it's Old Dominion he played for. I think that was his college. Yep. Yeah. So old un, undrafted Old Dominion player versus star BYU quarterback. Those They're going to be judged on different uh, curves. Sure. So got anything else, man? Huh, felt good to, to do this, to work off work off that turkey. The tryptophan, as they call it. It's the enzyme in Turkey that makes you sleepy. Well, now you know. Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Sketch, guys. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show last week, but it was our 100th episode last week. Ah, uh, 101! 101. It's a lot of fun. We enjoy doing this podcast together. Five seasons will keep going, and I'm excited for the next five and the next 100. Um, thanks for listening. Check the run your pool if you haven't done it. If you forgot Thanksgiving... Just text Stinks me. to stink. Just well, first of all, you forgot it too. Yeah, but I tell and, you lie. Because you were sitting next to me. That's not fair. Yeah, so how do we know? <laughs> if you mix, missed it, text me. And if I think you're trustworthy, I'll believe you. Mm. Thanks for listening to the show, guys. God bless.